Welcome to Museum Chat Live, a fairly regular podcast series brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Center. We're bringing you all things to do with St. Catharines, our history, and what's going on at our museum. Today, you're listening to... Kathleen Powell, Curator of the St. Catharines Museum and Supervisor of Historical Services. Adrian Petrie, Visitor Services Coordinator at the St. Catharines Museum. And Sarah Nixon, Public Programmer here at the museum. Happy Victoria Day, everyone! Our Victoria Day-themed podcast is dedicated to the holiday and to all things Victorian. We're going to talk about the traditional celebration of a Victorian holiday and some of our favorite Victorian-isms, all in celebration of Victoria Day. We hope you enjoy the episode! So, Victoria Day is our oldest national holiday here in Canada, and I think that's super cool. So, Kathy, how about you tell us a little bit more about this holiday? Thanks, Sarah. Uh, Firstly, Victoria Day became a national holiday in 1901, but its history goes back, way back to before Canada became a confederated country. It actually goes back to 1845, when Victoria Day was originally celebrated as Queen Victoria's birthday. Uh, Today we actually celebrate Victoria Day is the official birthday of the monarch in Canada, Uh, but back in those days it was celebrating Queen Victoria's birthday and it was established as a holiday in the province of Canada in 1845. In the 18th century in British North America, the monarch's birthday was actually the day that the militia was called out and it was the day that they would carry on their annual military uh, training exercises. But in 1841, when Upper and Lower Canada were replaced with the province of Canada, uh, there was an effort to try to find a holiday that would have a common cause uh, between British and French. And so they decided to create uh, Queen Victoria's birthday as a holiday. So the idea was that uh, at the time, loyalty to the crown was something that distinguished uh, British North Americans from Americans. And also the monarch was considered the person who guaranteed minority rights to the French in the United Province. So this holiday was designed to bring together uh, both the French and the English populations. Other interesting things is that uh, Victoria Day used to always be celebrated on May 24th, no matter what day of the week that it fell on. But uh, nowadays we celebrate it on the Monday closest to May 24th so that we all can have a nice three-day weekend. Um, Also, it's not a statutory holiday in every province of Canada. In Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Newfoundland and Labrador and PEI, it's not a national holiday, but some of those provinces actually use it as a day of rest, but it's not necessarily a national bank holiday. Um, And then in 2002, in the province of Quebec, they renamed that holiday to Journée Nationale des Patriotes. Um, to celebrate uh, that French heritage uh, in that province. Uh, Also Victoria Day, traditionally most people who like to call it May 2-4 weekend, that kind of thing, it usually is the day where uh, in Canada we mark the transition to warmer weather. Of course that's mostly if you live in our part of Canada. If you're in the north it might not be the transition, Uh, but a lot of people go out and buy their summer plants and uh, plant them on Victoria Day weekend. 
Um, lots of people wonder why we kept Victoria Day as a holiday after Queen Victoria's death in 1901, but apparently at the time many people saw Queen Victoria as the mother of confederation uh, and that she was the monarch that had encouraged Canadian unity and self-government and she was also the person who selected Ottawa as our new capital at the time. So that's why they kept celebrating Victoria Day after uh, 1901. Today, Victoria Day has a bunch of different types of iterations, and before we get into talking about what Victoria Day means to us today, I just want to talk about the traditional celebration of Victoria Day, and Kathy mentioned a few different things. Um, today, uh, Victoria Day has sort of uh, morphed into other days all around the world. For example, in India, on May 24th, uh, it's uh, called Commonwealth Day. Uh, other historic sort of Victorian holidays similar to Victoria Day would have been one, one of my favorites called <laughs> Empire Day. And this is when specifically uh, children in the UK were marched out of school uh, and marched out to fields and stuff like that. And they would salute the British flag, uh, the Union flag, and sing patriotic songs like Jerusalem and God Save the Queen. And they would listen to speeches and basically just celebrate Empire Day for adults and for uh, specifically uh, farm workers or sort of rural workers, probably not factory workers, this was a time to sort of take a break uh, at the end of the day and they might open up some of the previous year's cider or something like that to help celebrate uh, Empire Day. There was a huge influence on sort of remembering all of our British brothers and sisters all around the world and so it's a very, very British-like day, um, even though Victoria Day in Canada sort of maybe started out that way with calling out the militia um, and celebrating the monarch's birthday. Uh, so while we don't really march out to the <laughs> salute the Union flag <laughs> in a field today here in Canada, there's still quite a lot of marching going on all around the world, including in the UK when they celebrate the Queen's official birthday on Saturday, June 17th with the famous Trooping the Colour uh, ceremony um, where a, a regiment of the Queen's or one, one of the battalions or one of the, the house of the household guard troops their flag across the parade square. Um, but that's it also wraps up with the famous fly past and the royal family goes out on the balcony. So that's the that's the day that people, you know, is really visible um, for celebrating the, the monarch's birthday. Um, but we're not as British as we were, once were anyway, and most of us celebrate Victoria Day by doing outdoor-y type things like Kathy mentioned, um, planting flowers and stuff like that. So I wanted to ask our podcast uh, team what their favorite thing to do is on Victoria Day, and uh, you can leave comments on our Twitter and Facebook page and on SoundCloud about what your favorite, uh, you the listener, what your favorite Victoria Day activity is as well. So I'm going to start with Sarah. Sarah, what is your favorite Victoria Day weekend activity? I always see Victoria Day weekend as a time where I get to go to the cottage or go camping or something like that. So this weekend I am going camping to Killarney. I'm very much looking forward to it. <laughs> That's cool, Sarah. I love Killarney. It's beautiful there. Never <laughs> it's been. totally Canadian, so it's very <laughs> iconic. What an awesome thing to do this year on Victoria Day. 
Uh, personally, I like any day where I don't have to do anything. I hate to say that. It sounds so lazy. But I just like to take Victoria Day as a day where I can just do whatever I feel like. I can go hiking. I can hang out in the backyard and read a book. Uh, probably this weekend we'll read a book, uh, continue reading the biography of John A. McDonald, which I think is very good for this weekend uh, and Victoria Day. So that, that should be is fun. That the one by Richard Gwynn? Yes, it is. Which volume are you on? I'm on volume one. Nice. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, my favorite Victoria Day activity. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's kind of weird. As as a as a kid, my birthday's in May, so it's sort of an extension of uh, seeing family and doing you know, leftover birthday things if we didn't get a chance to do stuff on nearer to my birthday. Um, I'm also from Ottawa, so it's big tulip festival time, so definitely outside. Um, yeah, Sarah went to school in Ottawa, so. And I miss it. <laughs> tulip festival is a big deal. Um, and just uh, also um, around this time is when some of the hot air balloon festival stuff starts happening in Gatineau, Quebec, which is where my grandmother lived and we spent a lot of time as a kid so there's always hot air balloons to watch out over the Gatineau River um, on Victoria Day and uh, throughout the summer so I don't know it's just like an outside like get outside and totally. eat outside and be outside and you know like sunsets and grass and tulips mm -hmm. it's like fresh air oh I love it yeah. I'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> Also for this podcast, because we're all historians, we wanted to be sure that we tell you a bit more about Queen Victoria, whose name graces this holiday. Uh, there's no question that she was an iconic figure in world history. As we all know, an entire historical era is named after her, and her influence in world politics continues to reverberate today, whether we realize it or not. Um, partly this is because she reigned for so long, 64 years is a long time, um, but also because her family and her descendants impacted history to such a great extent that they literally changed the world. Uh, Victoria and her husband Prince Albert had nine children uh, and they were married uh, 21 years and from those nine children who married into most of the European royal families at the time, she had 42 grandchildren. Um, an example of how those grandchildren impacted our history today is uh, in the lead up to World War I. Her descendants included, obviously, the King of England at that time, George V, uh, also included Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany and the wife of Tsar Nicholas of Russia, who arguably were three of the most influential leaders in that particular time period in European history. And I don't think there's any question that World War I changed the world when it happened. Uh, and then all of the things that came from World War I impacted World War II and then impacted where we are at today. So uh, a lot of it can go back to, if you follow like a domino effect, can go back to Queen Victoria. So I understand that she was a complex individual, but a very interesting female leader at the time also, when women leaders were not the norm. Kathy, how about you tell us a little bit about that as well? 
I think a lot of time people look at Victoria like that kind of caricature of her that you see on uh, in a lot of cartoons and kind of uh, a lot of satire, you know, with her little tiny crown and her "we are not abused" kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but she was she was actually a very um, strong leader. There weren't a lot of women leaders at the time, so it was pretty uh, unique uh, time. So during her reign, here's a few fun facts: during her reign. Britain became a constitutional monarchy. Uh, Canada became an official dominion in the British Empire. Uh, she was also the subject of at least six assassination attempts on her life. Uh, some people say nine, but uh, most uh, sources say six. Um, and most of those she was uh, subjected to while she was out riding in an open carriage in public where there were crowds just, you know. She also spoke five languages. Apparently, she was a very talented linguist. She spoke English, German, French, Italian, and Latin. And also, in, later in her life, she picked up a few phrases of Hindustani and Urdu uh, because she had a, a favorite Indian servant. His name was Abdul Karim. And this was after she became the Empress of India. And she was also a very accomplished artist. Her watercolors, you can see them online in lots of different places, and her watercolors were very well done. And she loved to dance. Uh, her and her husband, Prince Albert, were very strong supporters of arts and industry and British uh, industry at the time, including the um, starting of the Victorian Albert Museum, uh, Royal Albert Hall, uh, not to mention the Crystal Palace that showcased industry and really was one of the very first world fairs uh, in, uh, at that time. Uh, her reign most people would suggest that her reign brought stability to a royal throne that previous to her had been seen as corrupt, uh, unstable, and immoral. And I don't think most people would use those three words to talk about the Victorian era. Uh, the Victoria's long reign provided her subjects with an example of family life and values and of stability. Um, and those were able to help preserve the monarchy. If the monarchy had continued along the lines that George III and his uh, children had been taking it on, uh, there's a good chance that the monarchy wouldn't have lasted. Uh, but because Victoria reigned for so long, because she had such a stable family life, and because she was so conservative, uh, she was able to weather a lot of um, instability in the world when monarchies were falling all across the world. Uh, the Victorian period kept Victoria on the throne essentially. If Victoria was alive today, Forbes would have her as the most influential person in the world, by far surpassing the likes of Oprah and the Kardashians and all those people. But one thing that uh, Albert brought uh, over from Germany that was a little bit more popular than in uh, Germany previously was Christmas. And uh, previously, New Year's was the big holiday in uh, England, especially under George III and the Fourth. Christmas was still celebrated as a church holiday. Albert and Victoria really made Christmas what it is today, and so much of our Christmas traditions to today, like gift giving and the Christmas tree, all come from Victoria and Albert. And a big part of that was the media looking at the royal couple as the standard um, for how to behave. So Christmas is a really good example of something that touches us today, um, that they sort of revamped, I guess, uh, and uh, especially Christmas trees and gift giving and songs and stuff like that, making it the more popular holiday of the two. And then other examples are sort of the stiff upper lip of British society, of the upper class, 
and codifying behaviors uh, and rules for living in, in writing. There were so many authors that said, uh, you know, that wrote about how to greet people in the street, um, how to sit properly at dinner, uh, who is supposed to go into the dining room first, and who's supposed to go into the, the dining room last, how you are supposed to mourn uh, a family member, how you're supposed to mourn a friend, you know, how, how long an appropriate courtship is before marriage. Um, all these crazy things were codified. The Victorian period was full of contrasts, and Victorians are really weird. So Sarah's <laughs> going to talk a little bit about some of her favorite weird Victorianisms, and I might pop in, and Kathy might pop in with a few more weird Victorianisms. For sure. So I love the Victorians for their, like you said, they're just, they have some really interesting choices in terms of the things that they like to do. They were obsessed with like death and dying they were pretty morbid you know that's kind of when spiritualism and obsession with um with mediums and talking to the dead and having seances victorians loved it they wanted they wanted it all um which i find (laughs) very interesting I i think it's such a contradiction because kathy was talking about how like museums and science and industry were exploding right and a lot of historians say that things like seances and uh, believing in ghosts and uh, spiritualism are all answers to answering the unexplained things of science, like mm-hmm. this explosion of technology in the second industrial revolution. Yeah, I think a great example of that is this whole obsession with phrenology. So you, yes. you're obsessed with like science and new technologies, but then you also are obsessed with this kind of pseudoscience of uh, looking at the bumps on people's head, which now we know is completely bunk, uh, <laughs> but it seemed like science at the time. <laughs> I think that's an awesome, an awesome kind of contradiction that is so interesting about the, uh, the Victorian period. Another, another like contradiction that goes along with that is the absolute supremacy of uh, the church. Um, in society, mm-hmm. like pretty much unquestioned influence and power, but at the same time, all this like what w- could be considered occult activity, mm-hmm. like uh, um, Ouija, Ouija boards, boards. And yeah, Ouija seances boards. for sure, talking to the dead, um, and like trying and believing in that, in contact with like spiritualism and contacting uh, the afterlife mm-hmm. is like contrary to the church's teachings at the time, and the church was so. So powerful. So powerful and influential, but these two things are existing at the same time. Is two things existing at the same time that are contradictory is so Victorian. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, so so interesting. Yes, yes. Um, And also when I think of Victorians, I really, I've always been interested in uh, their fashion and also their beauty standards. I find just so interesting. Um, Victorian women loved arsenic. They thought that arsenic could kind of make them ageless and make their complexion so so like perfect and flawless so you know they would there would be arsenic in their shampoos and their face washes in their they would just take baths in it some some women would just you know just casually drink it every day to like build up a tolerance so that they could have beautiful skin they were also poisoning themselves but hey you know Uh, we do use Botox nowadays, which is basically a similar idea in my mind. I know, <laughs> We haven't right? got very far since the Victorian era. <laughs> and you know what? It's probably like, like, I'm like, but they didn't know it was poisonous at the time, right? They were like, this yeah. is going to make us ageless. 
These are also the same people that put corsets on their children. Oh, yeah. And uh, it wasn't until later in the Victorian period that uh, thinning mirrors were put into children's bedrooms that were popular pieces of furniture in children's bedrooms so that it would make people look thin or look make the children look thin so they wouldn't tighten their corsets <laughs> so tightly to Come affect on. their growth. So they still had to wear corsets, but they were like, okay, well. Not as know, tight. Not as tight because... Here in the mirror, you look thin. So, uh, yeah, like, and also, like, their corsets are so tight that we need a piece of furniture for them to lie down on to catch their breath. If they if they faint or they lose their breath, we should have a whole piece of furniture dedicated to relieving women from wearing their corsets. Yes. I think one of the um, interesting, talking about furniture, one of the things I find kind of creepy and weird about the Victorians was this whole obsession with not mentioning body parts so <laughs> you couldn't call someone's leg their leg it had to be their limb and then there were things like piano legs that would get you know you've seen them they have like a little tassel kind of thing covering the piano leg that's a victorian thing so that you wouldn't show the leg of the piano so that men wouldn't be you know tempted to think about legs right. or women too i guess um if you're into that <laughs> just a bizarre uh, thing that happened in a particular time period uh, where uh, their morals became much more buttoned up than yeah. they were in a previous period. Buttoned up is a great way of saying regimenting sexuality. Oh, uh, totally. Hugely. And like, if you were even just like a little, if you even stepped outside the appropriated rules just a little bit, mm. you were outcast. You oh, yes. were an actress or a prostitute. If you even wore too much makeup, if you had any sense of individuality, you know, you were out on on your... That's so true. On one of your limbs. Yeah, Yeah, and just, like, going off of that, um, like, upper-class women especially, like, they... You know, you, there was so much emotion that you weren't allowed to show, right? You couldn't have any sort of emotional expression without me, like, maybe considering hysteric or anything. But swooning, swooning was acceptable because... When their corsets are so tight, yeah. fainting was quite common. Swooning was okay. No but, other emotion. But God forbid a stranger be there to help you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. If you haven't met, I'm not helping you. Sorry. <laughs> Sarah, if you faint in the street, you're on your own. <laughs> uh, we haven't met before. I can't help you. I can't touch you, no. <laughs> but with regards to those, uh, with those, some of those rules, there's a really fun game, uh, an online game that the Musée McCord from, in Montreal um, has put out. It's really, uh, in terms of internet speak, it's kind of old. It's probably, I don't know, at least six or seven years old. So it's kind of an interesting interface. Um, But we're going to link to it in the footnotes of this podcast. So you can go and pretend to be a Victorian, and you have to go through all these different situations and pick the right response to all these situations. Like, for example, how to greet a stranger in the street, uh, who goes into dinner first? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what dress to wear to the park? And there's there's also a um, a section for uh, rules for men as well. So uh, really really interesting. We'll also link to a couple of our favorite Victorian rules. Something that I didn't realize that is interesting, but it's probably because I just didn't remember it from the time. 
2013, there was actually a move in Canada to rename Victoria Day to uh, Victoria and First Peoples Day. Uh, and there was a petition and some famous Canadians who got behind that initiative, which wasn't successful. Um, but it was an, it, it's an interesting uh, thing that people are thinking about the day and its origins and what it means. Uh, but then if you decide that you don't want to celebrate Victoria Day as Victoria Day, here's a couple of other things that you could potentially celebrate on May 24th. May 24th, 1918 is also the day that Parliament passed the Stats Act. So if you like numbers and you like counting things, you can celebrate that Stats Canada basically started on May 24th. And on May 24th, 1916, women got the right to vote in federal elections. So if you don't want to celebrate Queen Victoria, you can celebrate that women got the right to vote on that day. Woohoo! <laughs> so a couple of other options for those people who would prefer another reason to uh, to wave a flag. And who don't want to go into a field and salute <laughs> the Union flag. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure to spend some time with us online by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash St. Catherine's Museum. On Twitter and Instagram using the handle at STC Museum and online on our website stcatherinesmuseum.com and at our blog stcatherinesmuseumblog.com. This episode of Museum Chat Live was produced by Adrian Petrie, Sarah Nixon, and Kathleen Powell. Museum Chat Live is brought to you by the St. Catherine's Museum and the City of St. Catharines.